One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that takes full advantage of the way music binds itself to memory as a way to get our guests talking about themselves and their lives. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Jesse Kaysen. Jesse's a photographer who specializes in personal and commercial branding photography. She's a wizard with light, in my humble opinion, and also clearly knows how to bring out the person or persons in the people she's shooting, also in my humble opinion. Jesse has worked with several Southwest Florida bands and musicians to create photos that help them connect with their fans. Aside from work, she's actively engaged in local and national politics, volunteering with nonprofits, and she says trying to help the world be less annoying. We can all use less annoying, that's for sure. Jessie's been on our radar for quite some time, so we're happy she's here with us today, and now we're off. Hey there, Jessie. How you doing? Good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing very well. So um, uh, what was your first camera? We'll get back to this in more detail later, but I just want to get that out there. Absolutely. My first camera was a Canon Rebel uh, XS, I believe, which is, it goes for about $200 now, but at the time it was probably $800 camera, so I thought it was something pretty fancy. And that was a digital SLR. <laughs> digital SLR. is an entry-level training camera. It's like it's like training wheels. I had one very similar yeah. when the SLRs first come, started coming around. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> uh, where, was, uh, where did you grow up, and what was the musical background of your childhood in that place? I grew up... All over East Texas and a little bit in, in Georgia, outside of Atlanta, not in the not in the city, in the country. And so I was surrounded by pop country, most and first and foremost. And my mother loved uh, Tom Petty, so it was pretty much just Tom Petty and country music. Which <laughs> part? Which part of outside of Atlanta? Um, it was Hiram, which is a little town, and and Paulding Paulding County, I think, or Spalding. I don't. I was real little, so well, I don't remember. <laughs> when I was little, I lived in Lilburn. Oh, Okay. For a while. So yeah. 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 Not right too bad. Hey, neighbor. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, like, what was music besides that? I mean, like, um, like your first album. Do you remember that? Mm, I remember the first album that I bought with my own money was a Christian rock band called Bleach. And I was like, <laughs> Richard knows Bleach. <laughs> Richard has the Christian rock band yes. angle covered. Oh, Which yes. album was it? I Gosh, I can't remember. It would have been like 1999. So whatever. Space. Probably Space. Yeah, yeah probably <laughs> Space. And I was, you know, it was eighth grade and I was getting really into Christian rock music and, and Bleach was, I saw it at Walmart and I was like, ooh, I want that. <laughs> For in, Inside of, look, in 1999, yeah. inside of Christian music circles, Bleach was weird. Yeah. Like they, it wasn't just like Christian rock and kind of poppy, like it was. They were doing some weird stuff yeah. in their songs. Absolutely, they yeah. were. They were like the bad boys <laughs> of Christian rock. <laughs> How long did the Christian rock thing stick along for you? Oh gosh, I probably finally started listening to. I mean, I always listened to secular music alongside Christian music, but I kind of started getting out of it once I hit college and started learning about science, and then started getting less and less into religions. <laughs> um, if you try to go back as far as you can, what's the earliest musical memory that pops into your head when I ask? you go back let's see the earliest musical memory that's tough it would probably be um hmm garth brooks probably was the first person i can remember like being aware of 
as a kid. And uh, my dad really loved Garth Brooks. And actually, at my dad's funeral, I was eight years old and my dad died. And there was a Garth Brooks song was played at his funeral. Um, it's called The River. And that was really important to me as a kid. was just all his whole repertoire of music was important to me as a kid. Is it still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Garth Brooks was such a trailblazer and uh, such a, a powerful figure in country music. And, you know, he was made famous by the um, uh, by Winona uh, and, and her mother, uh, whose names I can't remember right now because <laughs> I'm on the spot. Um, writer? Yes. <laughs> no, not writer. No, not writer. <laughs> Judd. Judd, the Judds. Yeah. Yes, the Judds. Uh, he was made famous by the Judds. They pulled him on stage during their, like, reunion tour. So just kind of give you, like, a timeline of things. And I remember that. I remember, like, hearing about that as a kid and being like, who is this up-and-coming young man, Garth Brooks? <laughs> and Somebody <laughs> needs to make an alternate alternate timeline movie where Garth Brooks is made famous by Winona Ryder. Yes. I think, I think that's yeah. good. <laughs> um, uh, do you remember what your grandparents, I mean, were your grandparents around? And if so, like, what was their music that might have stuck with you? Or, or? I can't recall. My my grandparents were, they just pretty much watched the Weather Channel all the time. And it's all I remember of my, all, all of my grandparents just constantly watching the Weather Channel. So I couldn't ever say any particular musical taste on their part. Is that because of tornadoes? I don't know. I just think they were just boring. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know. I had a grandmother who um, she was desperate for me to want to spend time with her. And so she got cable. So I would come over and watch cable at her house. And so that was where I really got exposed to like MMUSA, much music and stuff like that because she had it. But she wouldn't watch it with me. She would just I would, there was just a TV in the back room and I would come over and I would just sit there all weekend and she'd be like, thanks for hanging out with me, Jesse. And I'm like, you're welcome, Grandma. <laughs> thanks for the cable access to <laughs> yeah, music. Thanks for cable. And she got AOL online, so I would, I would come over more and I would just sit on the internet talking to strangers and she just was so happy I was there. <laughs> Do you remember any of the music that you would have consumed through those TV, through that cable you oh, know, yes. back then? Like, yes. what was what was the jam at that point? The, the big breakout MMUSA cable star was a Canadian pop star named Hoxley Workman, who I was obsessed with in, like, 2000, 2001. And he never really got any more famous than he, than he was in those years. I was going to say, I don't think I recognize <laughs> no. the name. But he, no. And he had some, like, really cute music videos, and I actually started, like, emailing him, and he would email me back, because that was how easy it was to connect with, like, pop stars back then. You just find their email address, and it was like, you know, HoxieWorkman at AOL.com Have you looked up to see where he is today? <laughs> yeah, he didn't really, he didn't do much after that, really. I think he had some some uh, alternative success in Canada, but nothing really mainstream. We're so. pretty big in Canada. We yeah, huge in Canada. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to break into is the Canadian market. Oh, this is the move. <laughs> yeah, this is the move. No, we have listeners in Canada. We've had like three Canadian guests so far. Amazing. And so we're trying to have as many more as possible because that's our goal to take over Canada. I love it. Um, uh, uh, musical instruments being played around you and or by you. I was uh, in ninth grade. I entered uh, my high school marching band and I was about three years late. Everyone else had started in junior high and I didn't start because I had switched schools every year until I started high school. And um, I was desperate to just be in band. I just thought it would be cool. And my band director was like, well, what can you play? And I was like, well, nothing. And he was like, well, okay, auxiliary percussion it is. (laughs) (laughs) So it was cymbals and triangle and the chimes. I played the hell out of the chimes and the gong. Ooh, I was good at the gong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I stayed in marching band all the way th- until I dropped out of college. And so it took me to college, actually, was I went on a marching band scholarship. As a gonger? As a percussionist. I, uh, I did So you must have had some aptitude. I did not. I just practiced real hard and memorized the music because I couldn't read it. So I just memorized what my teacher would play, and then I would 
memorize it and then play it back and then just get practice in it. And so when I went to college for it, that skill was not appreciated. <laughs> they really wanted me to read music. And there I, must have been that one awkward moment where it suddenly like the, the veil was lifted and it was like, oh, oh yeah, we've brought this person here to do something she doesn't know how to do. Not at all. It was awful. I remember like the first, it was like summer before actual school started, we had like a band camp and I get there and all these other kids are so good at sight reading and they can all play the marumba and I'm just over there like, oh my God, I can't even hold my sticks properly. <laughs> I have totally snuck my way into Fake this Fake it until you get kicked out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they literally asked me, please don't come back next semester. They're like, you're really bad. Where was that? <laughs> this was Tyler Junior College, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but they had a 300-piece marching band, which was the largest marching band of any junior college in Texas. So it was very impressive. I was coming from a 30-piece marching band in my high school where I was the best player. And then in the 300-piece band, I was the worst player by far. <laughs> it was sad. <laughs> Do you still play the gong? I don't play anything anymore. <laughs> you know what? You're college... around bands. You could probably Probably be the pinch hit tambourine, gonger. Tambourine. I know That's something. I was, percussion. I was so good at tambourine my freshman year. You guys don't even know. But no, I, I, I put it away once I left college. It definitely crushed my dreams, but also was the reality check I needed. I kind of wish someone had told me in high school, dear Jesse, you're not actually good at this. <laughs> Please pursue something more practical <laughs> because it was a total waste of, like, college tuition and scholarship. Yeah, from ninth grade into college. Oh, would you say uh, – Awful, awful. <laughs> sight reading aside, uh, <laughs> would you say that you have good rhythm? No. I mean, it was, you were a percussionist? I was terrible at all of it, you guys. I'm not exaggerating. I was just – I just loved it more than anyone else was well, the thing. I nailed, was very passionate about it. You nailed this is another count. movie. There's a whole movie in that right there. <laughs> this little girl does this not girl realize she's bad it at it. makes it to college with a sky. And she has no rhythm. No, and she's no, a percussionist. You know, you know what you call oh, the title awful. of the movie? What? Offbeat. <laughs> I love it. You know what? It was also just like my band director well really, played. my band director really genuinely believed in me. Like he was not a percussionist. He was a trumpet player. And he knew how much I loved this and how much I wanted it. And so he paid for out of his own pocket. He paid for private tutors wow. for me because he was like, Jesse wants this. And I tried as hard as I could, but I just, I have no musical aptitude whatsoever. <laughs> if you could suddenly have musical aptitude, like, by, you know, in other words, if you could learn an instrument instantly, mm -hmm. what would you choose to learn? Um. Probably, I would. I wish I could actually play a drum set. I always loved the feeling that I got when I told people, "Oh, I'm a drummer." Like people mm. thought that was cool. <laughs> Never ever could I play a drum set ever. I played a snare, <laughs> which is not the same. Okay. I, I do have. Uh, here's hope at the end of the tunnel for okay. that. Then you ever see Scott Pilgrim? Yeah. Of the world. Oh yeah. Okay, so um, Allison Pill, mm -hmm. who plays Kim, who's the drummer mm -hmm. in, that, in the band in the movie, mm -hmm. uh, she, they played those songs. Yeah. In the movie. She didn't know how to drum. Edgar Wright was like, well, you're going to learn how to drum. We're going to teach She tried for four years. <laughs> <laughs> but, but... I didn't try a drum set, though. Oh, but, but... I just tried auxiliary and, and, and uh, pit percussion instruments. <laughs> If, if they can learn it, if they can learn it in a crash course to be in a movie, I bet yeah. you could. I bet you could do it. I probably could if I really sat down with it. And there is a drum set that just sits in my house all the time because <gasps> my boyfriend's in a band and his drummer just leaves his stuff there. But I don't want to like touch his stuff. Sure. <laughs> so, but yeah, I do. It. I wanted to be a drummer without doing all the work of becoming a drummer. <laughs> that's what I really want. I just want to wake up one day and be like, oh, natural talent. Well, there it the is. Question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're getting closer to beaming stuff into our heads. Yeah. Maybe that's attainable in our lifetimes. <laughs> so. Okay, it's time for your first song. Okay. Uh, what is it? It is a country classic 
Goodbye Earl by the Dixie Chicks. Are they just the chicks? Now they're the chicks, but okay. when this song okay. came out, it was the Dixie Chicks. Okay, it's, I stumbled around <laughs> on that when I yeah. was looking this up, so continue. So, um, Goodbye Earl. I mean, I think pretty much everybody's heard that song, and if they're not a country music fan, because it was, it was one of the like country songs that crossed over into the pop charts. And it was also uh, much... Uh, much cl- uh, pearl clutching <laughs> happened whenever it came out because it was about like murdering a dude <laughs> in like a very happy and chipper way. Um, but when this song came out in uh, 1999, and I would have been in eighth grade. And like I said, when I was in eighth grade, I was, you know, trying to, I wanted to join band. I wasn't able to yet. I had to wait till I was in ninth grade. And I had started school at a place in East Texas where I was, I knew I was going to spend the rest of my high school career in that school. And I wanted to be cool for once in my entire life. Every other school I'd ever gone to, I was only there like one year, maybe a couple semesters, and then my family would move. And I was always the new kid, and I was always dorky, and no one liked me, and this was going to be my time to shine. And so I wanted to become something cool, and I wanted to become punk rock. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be a punk kid. And I don't know where I got that idea from exactly because I'd never met a punk person before. <laughs> but, but I knew like somehow I had absorbed this through pop culture that this was like a cool thing to be. So I had to put aside my love of pop country music that had been ingrained in me since childhood. Because those don't really – oil and water. don't mix. No, punk kids do not think country music is cool. Except uh, Chris Gaines. Except Chris Gaines. Who okay. is the <laughs> – Alter ego rock artist <laughs> who is really, I don't know. Oh, uh. it's it's really um, um <laughs> what's another. his face? Uh, uh, at your dad's funeral. Oh, Garth Brooks. Garth yes. Brooks oh, yeah, spent yeah. an arc of his career yeah. pretending to be a different person. That's true. Who made rock music? That's true. Named Chris Kane. That's true. Which is a much cooler name than Garth Brooks. I, that's fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, I wanted to be cool. So I I, I publicly pretended like I did not like. The Dixie Chicks, and I did not like Good Boy Earl, and I did not like Wide Open Spaces, and I, like none of that stuff was cool. But inside, in my heart, in my bedroom when no one was there, I loved Goodbye Earl, and I loved the Dixie Chicks, and I did share it with my sister. She was she was about nine years older than me, and I would go to her house, and we would listen to country music, but no one else knew, like nobody else was aware of this. Uh, and still to this day, that song is a f-ing banger. I mean, it's such a good song. The whole album is amazing, and now as an adult, I can like proudly claim. I love the chicks. I've seen them in, co- in concert. They're amazing. Uh, but yeah, at that time, it was it was definitely when when I started being a f-ing poser and uh, pretending to like music that I I maybe kind of liked, but definitely pretended to not like music that I really did like. So you know, important junior high uh, milestone. <laughs> yeah, you were you were you turned on a persona yes. in order to achieve a goal yes. in a way that you now realize. Is how you break everything. <laughs> so it's, it's the most opposite of punk rock thing you can be. It's pretending to be something that you're not or, pret- you know, like just be yourself. That's what actual punk rock is. But in eighth grade, ninth grade, I didn't understand that. I thought it was fit into a mold that that people will accept as cool and badass when really, I mean, the Dixie Chicks or the Chicks are so punk rock as evidenced by their political opinions and how difficult it was to hold those opinions when they came out against President Bush in, like, what was it, 2003? Mm-hmm. I remember that as something that was um, a huge impact on me because I was growing up in East Texas. I was 
just kind of coming into my own politically and understanding uh, where I fell on the side of things. Like in eighth grade, I remember I read a book. It was a biography of Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan um, was pro a certain level of gun control. And so I thought, oh, OK, so he's pro gun control and he's a Republican. So I'm a Republican because I also don't like guns. <laughs> and it was, you know, still trying to figure out like who was what and what I was and where I fit in that. And then uh, I knew like 9-11 and how that impacted the whole country. That is kind of where I really got interested in politics and uh, social change and our place in the world as a country. Uh, And the Dixie Chicks coming out and saying that they didn't agree with George Bush. They were ashamed he was from Texas. I was like, yeah, me too. I'm from Texas and I hate that he's from here. He sucks. (laughs) It was, you know, just like the the political simplifications of a child, but it was so, uh, uh, I guess, just comforting to see it reflected in adults because it was not popular to say things like that at the time. It was dangerous to say things like that, and they lost their careers over it. Yeah. Um, there, I was just looking here. Their single uh, fell landslide. It mm-hmm. fell from number 10 to number 43 in a week. Yes. And it wasn't even that they their careers were affected. Um, DJs who played their music mm-hmm. after that were fired or suspended from stations for not following the, a blacklist yep. order. Um, yeah. So I was going to say it's not just adults uh, voicing that stuff. It was, I think, also it's a it's an adult from Texas. Yes. Right. Like if you're if you were if it's 1999 or I guess if it's 2003. 2003. Yeah. And you're a in, you're a punk act in Seattle. <laughs> Probably it's okay to say that. Yeah. And you're not going to get any backlash. Everyone expects it from you. <laughs> but the Dixie Chicks are a country band from Texas. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a dangerous move. Yeah. It was so punk rock of them to do that. And it it at, when they did that, I stopped pretending. I stopped pretending like I didn't love them. And I remember I was actually at a church camp uh, in 2003, the summer after they had made those comments. And there was a bunch of girls talking about how, oh, I don't like the Dixie Chicks anymore. I'm going to burn my CDs and I'm throwing away all my shirts. And I like turned around to them and I was like, give them to me because I think they're awesome. And I agree with everything they said. And I was not very popular at church camp that summer, but that was okay. <laughs> and it, they definitely inspired me to um, to be more myself and to not fit into the mold because the country mold told you, don't speak out against the president. Don't speak out against war. Don't stand up. Just be blindly patriotic. And they rejected that. And I so admired them for it. Still do. Well, let's listen to this song. I love it. Uh, (laughs) Goodbye, Earl, by the Dixie Chicks from their 1999 album, Fly. What's that make you feel? Listen to it now. It's just such a perfect song. <laughs> it's so perfect. I mean, it's just. I also think about like how how unusual that song was at at its when it came out. You know, like so much of country female music was about like staying by your man. Like so much of that kind of energy and like just no, kill your man. He's horrible. I love it. (laughs) Kind of a Texas country version of he had it coming. Yeah, it is very much so that I just think they're so and their their songwriting abilities, their voices are just some of the most. They're just so amazing. So amazing. I love them. When was the last time you listened to that song? (laughs) Uh, Probably when I was preparing for this podcast. But but not counting that, I listen to the Dixie Chicks on a very regular basis. Uh, Their whole repertoire, their their hits. (laughs) Like I love it so much. Are they still making music they were supposed to release an album this year um called gaslighter and then they did i think decided to put it on hold because they can't tour to promote it they can't you know so i yeah, think yeah. So they put it on hold so hopefully next year hopefully uh do you know tessa lesage no 
She works at the Southwest Florida Community Foundation. She's like the future makers lady. Oh. Um, one of her songs was about the Dixie Chicks. Really? And about how, like, her brother, who was a jock, she caught him listening in his room to what he called the Dixie Mix. And she made fun of him for it, but then she started listening to it, and then she loved it so much, she started making copies of it and giving it to her friends at work. That's awesome. And then years later, um, her um, sort of second marriage to a guy and then kid they've got kids they went on their first concert thing and it was the dixie Chicks. oh i love it, it. Was just like this whole big thing so yeah i saw them a few years ago and they had uh, vintage trouble opening up for them who was amazing and this man was like wearing a full three-piece white tuxedo suit and he's like dancing and screaming all over the stage and this is like middle of summer florida and i was just like Respect, man. Dedication to your craft. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's like, you know, it's like uh, the whole Dixie Chicks, they're like a symbol of, you know, being willing to, it's kind of like, what's the other one that people always, I actually like Taylor Swift. Is it Taylor, Taylor Swift? Swift. Yeah. yeah. Taylor. Yeah. People, like, like, they want to keep it hidden, yeah. you know, because that's what Tesla was like. Like, yeah. even she, she, her brother definitely wanted to keep it hidden, yeah. and she wanted to keep it hidden, but it came to the point where it was one of her three songs, and she was bl- emblazoning you, it. Yeah, you can't, you can't deny that they're amazing. Even if it's, if even country music is not your thing, you can't deny that they're not incredible musicians, so... So how do you listen to music these days? Like if you want to listen to some Dixie Chicks, what is the medium by which you do that? Spotify. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I used to be a notorious music thief. And I was all about, you know, Napster when it came out. But then uh, really into like SoulSeek and Sordo Music and all these like pirating softwares. And it was because I was just like a broke kid and couldn't afford music. And uh, and then when Spotify became a thing, I was like, well, hell, it's so affordable. I, I can't really justify continuing to steal music. So. Did you delete all those MP3s? I did. I lost some really rare EPs and stuff when I did that, too. So I kind of regret it. But I needed the hard drive space. So. <laughs> did you? I'm trying to figure out with how old you are. Did, were you? Playing, were you burning CDs or were you just all digital all the time from when you started doing digital? I was burning CDs. I was I was in the, the cassette tape generation. I'm 34. Okay. So yeah, I was um you know I was uh, recording re- songs off the radio onto the cassettes back when I was a kid. Mix tapes or CDs for people? I did a few mixed CDs for folks. Um and you know it was always like they didn't deserve it. You know people are so ungrateful. <laughs> so, <laughs> now now like if I kind of like you maybe I'll make you a Spotify playlist. But even that i'm like i'm not pearls before swine i'm not did you ever it. express um <laughs> romantic overtures via mixed cd oh i did even better than that i used to write poems for boys and just none of them deserved it none of them deserved <laughs> it <laughs> but yeah i probably i did i actually i had a boyfriend a few years ago who he he got me by making me a mix cd <laughs> and i was like damn it <laughs> it was so cute and this was like 2000 and i don't know 17. So what's a, what's <laughs> a standout track on that? Um, there was a, mo- a song called, um, 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 oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Don't put me on the spot. I'm bad at remembering things. <laughs> but you do remember being like track three, like, oh. Yes. And then track four, like, Oh. And it was all it was all like super trendy hipster stuff that I had never heard of. Oh, right. He's from Boston, and so he like knows all the trendy hipster stuff. And I still listen to Fall Out Boy constantly, so I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I asked you what your first camera was. Mm-hmm. So when was that? That would have been um, two thousand and. Seven, two thousand seven or two thousand eight, something like so that. You would have been in college by then. I was. I'd already dropped out of college by then. So you dropped out yeah. of college. By then. Had you? 
in your brain had any affinity or thoughts about photography or was it one of those things where you got it in your hand and you were like, oh, this is interesting and let's try to figure out what's going on here? I'll be honest. I had a MySpace page and I needed better photos of myself for my MySpace page. That Understood. was really the, the, the full uh, <laughs> motivation for getting a camera as I wanted to take photos of myself for my MySpace and my cats, you know, wanted my cats to be on my MySpace page. How long did it take <laughs> you to come off of fully automatic? Oh, forever. I mean, it was that thing was just a little toy to me at first and I, I had a deviant art page if anyone is I've familiar. got a deviant yeah, art yeah. page <laughs> you know because if, even if you just didn't know how to take photos you were still an artist you know totally <laughs> I say that with full sarcasm and so I had a deviant art page and I would I mean I'm not exaggerating when I say that I probably I did I had a photo of a dog turd on my deviant art page that I was like this is art I made this with my camera, and therefore it is art. It was a dog turd that I found on the side of the road. <laughs> and so it was, uh, yeah. Was it was it black and white? It, it was, was a found, at least it was a found dog yeah, turd. Found. I didn't, I didn't touch it. I didn't manipulate it. You didn't it. put it, it where it was. <laughs> it, was it was natural art. Uh, but, yeah, it was not black and white. It was full color. And I think I'd run through some horrible filter that I had in Photoshop to, like, make it look fuzzy. I don't know. It was horrible. <laughs> it was awful. So I, I got into photography mostly because of that. I also, I had been using Photoshop for years to create like photo manipulations. I would take stock photos and cut things out of backgrounds. And that was really fun for me. And I wanted to be able to make my own stock photos. But pretty much as soon as I got the camera, I was like, I don't know how to use this. I'm just going to take selfies and put them on MySpace. And so they did that for a few years before I started finally being like, oh, I I could actually do something with this, like something impactful. (laughs) That's so funny the way you described that, because what happened to me was I was in the very, very early days, like I remember when the MP3 codec was invented. Okay, <laughs> like right. when suddenly, like, because you could go out on the internet with your 288 modem and somebody would have a wave file of a song, mm-hmm. but then suddenly somebody could make it one tenth as big and it mm-hmm. sounded just as good. Mm-hmm. That was like a miracle. Mm-hmm. So I was bootlegging early and <laughs> I bootlegged Photoshop, like version five, I think. Yeah, like that's 97 where I started. Or mm-hmm. so, 97 or so. Yep. And same thing, I had a scanner. I was scanning in images just so I can learn how to use Photoshop. Right. I didn't even have a camera. <laughs> I had like one of those little Advantixes that you could do the widescreen and the, yep. the three different sizes. And then a friend of mine gave me his dad's old Yashica from the 50s. Wow. Fully manual. And I started shooting with it. And I already had a new, knew how to use Photoshop. Yeah, there you so go. So suddenly I was able to scan in my prints, tweak them, print them, and then show them on a wall. Wow. And at the time, <laughs> photographers, like photographers, mm-hmm. were like, What's going on over there? Because yeah. those don't look like something I can do with just my camera. Right. Which is like cheating. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I, but it's how everything we've evolved into. That's how it's done now. Yeah, so. yeah. That's the art now. And the art is, is mastering the technology at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. So when did you decide or like at what point, when was the first time somebody paid you for your photography? Gosh, it was it was something I didn't deserve. And I was not good enough to be taking money at the time. I, I went about starting my career as a photographer, making all the mistakes that you could possibly make as a photographer. I assumed that because I had a camera, I should start a business as opposed to learning a little bit about business first and then deciding if I should start a business. So I put up an ad on Craigslist like, you know, a year after I'd gotten the camera and I was like, you know, professional photos, quote unquote, professional photos for $50 or whatever. And I got, um, you know, and I, I, thankfully, I'm sure they'll never hear this, but I got probably the two ugliest people in the world who responded to that ad and they wanted photos. And uh, it was tough and I didn't know what I was doing. And it was, uh, I I took them outside at like noon on a Sunday and they were wearing white shirts and jeans. And I took 
what I thought at the time were beautiful photos of them. And they were happy to pay the $50. But looking back now, I'm like, I did those people dirty. They deserve better than me. <laughs> I should not have been stepping my toe in that lane. I was not ready. <laughs> so when did you become a full-time photographer? So um, about three and a half years ago, I left my career. I had been working in a nonprofit for most of my 20s. And I left my career to become a full-time real estate photographer working under uh, someone who had started a real estate photography company. I didn't know anything at all about real estate photography, but I was friends with his wife and he trusted me. And so I jumped on board and uh, he fired me after three months, and <laughs> it was, um, he said I was a very difficult employee, and I don't take responsibility for my f***-ups, which, true, very true, um, but I think I'm a delight. And, so, and you're your own boss now. <laughs> now I am. So after I, after I left him, I, uh, or after he kicked me out, um, I got a job working for another photo studio, and they uh, do uh, weddings and families and headshots, more tradition, very traditional stuff. And I learned the ropes of the photography business in that company. I worked for them, managing their studio, uh, grew that business quite a bit. And then after a couple years of that, I left. And now I do my own business full time and have been doing it officially since December 2019. Uh, so just, you know, in the last six months or so. But it's so much better. And I can be as difficult of an employee as I want. And no one gives me shit about it, which is great. <laughs> well, we will get back into some photography a little later because I, ha I have more questions. But I All feel right. like we should get back on the train for All three right. songs here. So um, last concert or show you went to uh, in person before we started stopping that. <laughs> well, I March. went, I did go to the last, um, the Electric Mud show locally. Mm -hmm. um, my boyfriend is in Electric Mud, and I was there to do some video along with uh, Spencer, who was who recommended me for this mm -hmm. podcast, my best friend. Uh, so we did a little bit of, <laughs> watch out for the mic there, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, so we did a little video for that. Um, that was supposed to be their tour kickoff, and then thanks, thanks COVID, ruined that. So, um, but f last, like, big, like, you know, in, like, an actual, like, someone's on tour and I went to go see them was uh, AJJ. Uh, Spencer and I went to go see them in, I think, Tampa it was. And that was amazing. They were playing with Emperor X and it was just such a great show. So it was, I miss that energy so much of being at a show with people who like the same obscure shit that I like. It's so nice. <laughs> What's the farthest you've ever gone for a show? Um... Well, I, I didn't go for the show, but I was in Boston visiting that boyfriend that I mentioned from a few years ago. And uh, when I was there, a friend mentioned that Me Without You was playing. And I was like, Me Without You? I'm only going to go to that if they're playing A to B Life, which was their like first album and it was their best album. And he was like, that's what they're playing. It's the 20th anniversary of A to B Life. And so I, I'm going to count that. I drove or I flew to Boston to see Me Without You play the 20th anniversary of A to B Life. Okay. <laughs> do you still uh, – do you – when was the last time you bought music that had a physical form? I'll buy uh, the vinyls uh, pretty often because I do like the album artwork a lot. And so if I'm at a show where they have merch, if they've got a vinyl, I'll buy that. Um, and probably the last thing I bought of that was um, there was – oh, I, I there was um, an anniversary edition of the Mountain Goats um, – uh, All Hail West Texas. I bought that, and it's beautiful. I, I love that album so much. It, it sounds great on vinyl. How often do you listen to vinyl? Well, relatively often. Um, that is one of my go-to favorite things to do when I am tripping on uh, hallucinogens. And <laughs> it's just so nice to hear it uh, play so loud through the speakers. I've got some Sturgill Simpson vinyl that's just beautiful. Whenever so when you're cool. oh, he's so cool. 
what an amazing voice that man has. So, yeah, definitely that pretty, pretty every few months or so. That's when I break it out. <laughs> um, okay, let's get to your next song. All right, I'm ready. All right, what is it? All right, the next one is uh, Liberation Frequency by Refused. Uh, I think we should just play that one. Put me in the mood for that one. Put me in the mood. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> this is, uh, let me make sure I've got my, okay. Uh, <laughs> wrong page in front of me. Look at me, I'm breaking the vibe. Uh, Liberation Frequency by Refused from the 1998 album, The Shape of Punk to Come. I love it. Oh my gosh. That honestly, when I think about that song, I remember so vividly when I bought the compilation CD where I discovered that song. And I was I was uh, it was 2004. I was started college. I went to Hastings, which I don't think they have Hastings is 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 here, but it was a Texas like uh, books and CDs and that sort of store. And I bought Rock Against Bush Volume 1, Rock Against Bush Volume 2, and Punkorama 9. <laughs> and that was kind of like how back then that I, w- I would discover new music was in punk rock compilations. And I came across that Frequency Liberation song, and I remember like listening to it and just sort of sitting still afterwards and just being like, that is not like anything I have ever heard. I want that person to yell at me every day. Play it again. <laughs> like, and that song had come out like 1998, like you said, like forever ago. But, you know, I was in East Texas. I didn't, I didn't have culture. I didn't know that things like that existed. And it just like it blew the world of music open wide for me when I realized that there was stuff that sounded that different um, out there. Because I'd been into like a lot of Christian rock stuff, a lot of, and that had helped me. Like I was really into Page of the Lion and like Five Round Frenzy and stuff like that, which was different. But it was, uh, it was really refused was was something so new that it was the essence of punk rock was right there in that song and and the the spiritual awakening that it can uh, cause in a person at that age, especially at seventeen, eighteen years old, starting college, new town, everything's possible. Love it. Amazing. So is this like you finding punk after you had pretended to find punk? Kind of, yeah. It was like, and like I wouldn't say that the stuff that I listened to before that wasn't punk, but anyone who is an actual like hardcore punk fan would say that. Sum 41 is not punk. Blink-22 is not punk. But I thought it was. I didn't know. You know, it's pop punk and it's not the same, but whatever. I love it. Yeah, well, it turns out <laughs> much so much like uh, hipster songs, right? As mm-hmm. soon as you become popular... You lose the cred, right? You're not like, cool anymore. Like punk, because <laughs> it's not it's it's not defined specifically by a sound. Mm-hmm. As soon as people like what you're making, <laughs> you kind of aren't punk anymore. Right? Exactly. It's so not fair. It's like why can't they get a little money? It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of what it was like. It was um, that that was when I knew. Oh, okay. Maybe I genuinely like punk music, and I'm not just a poser. <laughs> I loved that song. That was when you had your realization that there were actual punk bands that were as punk as the Dixie Chicks. Yes, absolutely. They were out there, and and I because I kind of bought that album with the Rock Against Bush albums. I thought it was part of that, and right. so I kind of associated it with this like um, you know uh, anti-establishment like movement, this like anti-Republican Party thing, uh, which was very important to me in like 2004 in like my early college years and uh, I remember actually it was, it was 2001 uh, was I when I was still in high school and I had written um, an article for my school newspaper I was on the yearbook staff and I had written an article about how President Bush was not a real Christian if he retaliated against um, Iraq or Afghanistan or any, or anybody if he attacked any country that was not real Christian values and I wrote that in my school newspaper 
my town was so small that my school newspaper was also my town newspaper. So it <laughs> ran in the town newspaper. How'd that go? I was very popular. Yeah. <laughs> my mom would get like chastised at the bank. They'd be like, your daughter wrote this thing about President Bush. And she'd be like, damn right she did, because my mom was awesome. <laughs> and so, but it was, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, um, that the whole spirit of punk rock it has it had made such an impact on like my political affiliations and my views and the way I treat people and it's just it's very important to my my being. <laughs> so on on those albums, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Some forty one, yes. <laughs> um, Rise against, which yeah, is you know, pretty, yeah, newfound glory, which is less. Yeah, <laughs> little, I, mean, I like newfound glory, but, <laughs> me too. But, but it's like not the most punk rock fun. thing. <laughs> uh, Green Day, Bad Religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flogging Molly. Mm-hmm. That was where I first heard Flogging Molly. I remember that. That was no doubt. Yeah. So pretty which punk. I which no doubt I'd known since I was little. Like that was she was big since in the nineties. You know, um, and but, uh, but yeah, I didn't. I never really thought of her as like political, and so I was surprised when she was on or when No Doubt was on that album. I was like, oh okay, kind of. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so how would you best describe the post listening to that song to the pre listening to that song in the way that it? It opened up or started something in you. It definitely. Um, I. I was. It lit a fire in me of of finding more obscure music. I guess um, because I I'd really been happy with my pop punk and 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 all that sort of stuff. And then once I kind of heard that, that was when I was on sort of music and on Soul Seek and on. I was just like you know obscure punk bands and like trying trying to find that. You know the Google algorithm wasn't that good back then, so it was hard to find things just by searching. Uh, so I really had to dig. It really. It, it just sort of opened up my eyes to there's more out there than what you heard on the radio or what some nice kid in church handed you a CD of. You know, so just really made me made me start digging a lot deeper. So, what was the uh, arc from there to living in Florida? So I was in Texas until about 2011, and I was kind of bouncing around. I I had um, worked a bunch of odd jobs. Like I said, I dropped out of college. I had developed a uh, crippling anxiety disorder in college. It made it almost impossible to for me to go to my classes, which was a big part of why I dropped out, um, was because I would try to go to class and then I would just puke everywhere or I would just get diarrhea because that's how my anxiety happened out of my vomit or poop. And <laughs> so it was uh, it was pretty bad. So I, could, I couldn't go to school. It was just not possible. And I uh, bounced around East Texas for a while. Actually, um, Moved to Alabama for a little bit. I met a boy on a punk rock message board and moved in with him in Alabama. <laughs> so, and he was not that punk. He mostly listened to Built to Spill. So, like, whatever, dude. You're on the wrong message board. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we uh, I moved back to Texas, um, and then yeah, about 2011, I was I was dating a fella, and we decided to to just get out of Texas. We had been, you know, he had a. Um, inverted cross tattoo on his arm and he you know didn't fit in very well in, in Texas because of things like that and i you know i was constantly running into issues like being like a young atheist and so we were like let's just let's just get out of Texas so we uh we he got a job uh here in Southwest Florida oh. and it was during the recession when like nobody was hiring nobody was paying moving fees and this place did both of those things so we were like okay and we had literally never heard of Fort Myers or Southwest Florida or anything in down here so we just up and moved ended up here and uh, we were like we'll give it two years and then we'll get out of here and here I am 10 years later, and I'm still here. I like it. What's your first <laughs> musical memory 
of Fort Myers? Ah, uh, Fort Myers. I remember I was walking around downtown one night, kind of like by myself, and it was I didn't have any friends yet, and it was a it was a music walk, and I thought that was so cool because I like there was nothing like that in my town. A lot of people think like Fort Myers is like a cultural wasteland and there's like nothing cool here. That's because they've never been to East Texas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like blown away by how cool this place was when I got here. And uh, I was – so I was walking on Music Walk and there was a fella. I don't know who he was. I didn't get his name. He was sitting on the sidewalk and he was playing a uh, Wingnut Dishwashers Union song, which is a very obscure folk punk band. And I was like – <gasps> so excited and I like sat with him and we sang the song together and I was like I'm so excited to meet you and he was like oh I'm just passing through just you know vagabond playing music on the side of the road for tips and I was like that's this is the coolest place I've ever lived <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> I, I, as somebody who's lived here for most of my life that makes me feel pretty good yeah because, you should because I feel like I mean I I know a lot of people who either left and then came back because they liked it mm -hmm. or got stuck here, mm -hmm. like you. Mm -hmm. And so that's got to say something, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really, really not that bad. <laughs> it's really not. I've met so many amazing musicians here. So many incredible opportunities opened up to me here. And, I, you know, it's it's maybe they would have happened in East Texas if I'd worked on it. But I, I don't know. I think there's something special about the geography here, about the people that it attracts, uh, people from all over. I think it's really – I think it's special. I'm glad I'm here. And we've got deep history here, whether yeah. people, I mean, for Florida. Yeah, purposes. definitely, definitely. Um, so photography and bands. Yes. And musicians. Yes. You do a lot of that. I do. You know, when I moved here, um, like I said, I was working for a nonprofit. I'd been doing that for most of my 20s. It was amazing. Um, I worked with uh, people with disabilities um, through Goodwill. And I had worked with them on getting them jobs, training them for specific jobs. Uh, I'd done classroom instruction with them. And when I left Goodwill, the last job position I was doing was I ran a camp for adults with disabilities. And we would go camping overnight. And we would go water skiing. And we would ride horses. And we would would go canoeing and I mean all kinds of disabilities whatever you got I'd take you we'd go canoeing together it was super fun and uh, it was an amazing job and when I decided to leave it it was partly because I'd been doing photography on the side for a while um, it was actually Goodwill that helped me start my business they have a program called Micro Enterprise oh, which okay. yeah. yeah it's and they provide small business loans to uh, people starting up businesses so some coworker had bullied me into getting involved in it and I did <laughs> and it was a great decision and that was actually how I was able to buy my first real professional camera um, and and so I'd started – let's see. Why did I start doing concerts and stuff? I think it was uh, – my boyfriend at the time had told me about a band called The Good Bad Kids. And he had said, I think you'd really like this band. They're like a folk punk thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll check them out one day at night. And I just never did. And and then one night they were playing at Fort Myers Brewery and I'd seen it on Facebook. And I sent him a message and I was like, hey, I just got this new camera. I'm trying to like learn to use it. Can I swing by and just take some photos of your show? And they were like, yeah, we'd love that. And so I go and I had my new camera and I had one external flash and I barely knew how to use it. And I just stuck it on the ground somewhere and just started taking photos. I think I got maybe six decent photos that night. And I sent it to the band and they were bullying the f away. They were like, these are the best photos anyone's ever gotten of us. And I was like, you're kidding. <laughs> and so, so I became kind of like their photographer for a while, just kind of followed them around because I was obsessed with their music. And they were such amazing people. They've since moved to North Carolina, but incredible musicians. Um, and they would throw me some money here and there. And they sat me down after a show one night, and they were like, Jesse, how much are you charging bands now for, like, concert photography? And uh, the ceiling is caving in on Whoa. me. And <laughs> was that – hey, was – I just – 
Was that water? I don't no, think so. No, that tile is out of place. I think okay. it was dust. Mike okay. must have run a cable. Dust is okay. Dust I just wanted a... to make sure there's not about to be a leak. I know. No, I think it was just dust. Okay. You, you guys need to clean up in here. It's disgusting. We'll do what we can. <laughs> I can't believe I'm working under these conditions. Uh, where's impossible. my latte, by the way? <laughs> anyway, so I, I started following them around, and they so they after show they were like, you know, how much are you charging for concerts these days? And I said, oh, I don't know, like thirty bucks, fifty bucks, whatever. And they they looked at me like dead in the eye. This band, and they were like, you are undercharging. You are worth so much more. And I'd never had a client tell me that. I'd had a bunch of other photographers tell me that. But I was like, no, I suck at this. I don't. It doesn't matter if I'm making money or not. I suck at this. It doesn't matter. And so, like, I really went home and thought about that, like, in my heart <laughs> and, and just started taking it seriously after that. Started charging 100 bucks, 150 bucks, 200 bucks. And I got less shows booked, but the people that booked me were like, we love what you're doing. We respect what you're doing. And we understand that it's far and above better than anyone else doing concert photos in this area. Uh, and the Good Bad Kids was actually the first band that I did, like, posed promotional photos of, too, which was amazing. So they were they were my experiment for everything. And they, they've been incredible clients till they moved away, which was stupid. The <laughs> concert photos that I've seen of yours, uh, what you were just describing, you're very good at using the light. You're very <laughs> – I mean, is that something that you just developed a talent for? Or did you at some point, like, start reading? Like, what do – you know what I mean? Like, did you learn? So the thing with Or concert, did you just learn yeah, by doing? The thing with concert <laughs> photography is – is if you go and, and look up like tips for concert photography, it's all about like how to work with the lighting that's available because right. you're not supposed to bring flashes and things like that. But I don't – I'm a bad employee. You know, I don't listen to other people and I'm, I don't I don't take responsibility for the things that I do wrong. And so I, I started showing up to these venues with my own lights, my own flashes, with colored gels. And I made my own concert lighting because most of the venues around here are just bars. Right. They don't have lighting. So I would always ask. I'd ask the venue owner. I'd ask the band. I was like, is it okay if I do this? I might flash you in the face sometimes, but it's going to be worth it. And they were always like, hell yeah, do it. As long as we can use the photos. I was like, Totally. And so that was just – I just started experimenting. I started putting flashes all around the stages and different colored gels and using different tricks in front of the lens like prisms and crystals and all you this stuff. The, the glass uh, guitar slide. I've used a guitar slide. Yeah. I've used um, – I have uh, a pair of glasses that look like a little prism thing and I mean, all kinds of weird things. I, uh, fairy lights, you know, whatever I can bring to make it interesting. And uh, so, yeah, that was kind of where I learned a lot of my lighting skills was practicing – on the job with concert photography and make trying to emulate what a big venue would have lighting wise just with my three you know Godox A200s flashes that's, that's great that's, uh, you know uh, indie rock and punk bands are mm-hmm. probably like the best genre to be f- f- um, experimenting with because yeah. they're going to care a lot less about like if you want to try something right they don't care if I'm flashing them in the face they don't give a sh- you yeah. know and so it's it's it, they're good they're good guinea pigs and mm. I learned so much I mean I am not to toot my own horn, I am very good at lighting now. <laughs> and I can light any space and make it look organic. It doesn't look like I'm throwing a flash at somebody ever. So. What's your primary uh, camera now? I use a, a Canon 5D Mark III. I've been using it for the last five years. Right on. I just bought an EOS R, a mirrorless Canon. And I was going to ask you yeah, about mirrorless. Yeah, I just That's bought where it's all going. I just bought it. I had a Sony a7 III and I hated it. Oh, I hated it. I just, I can't speak the Sony language. I speak Canon. <laughs> and so, People buy that to take pictures of the Milky Way. Yeah, I mean, and it's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> camera. I bought it mostly for video capabilities, and mm-hmm. then I just got bored of it. I'm going to try with the Canon and see how that goes. So, but yeah. You ever heard of Magic Lantern? No. Uh, we'll talk. Oh, we'll talk okay, yeah. we'll talk, we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an open source project for Canon cameras where you put extra firmware on the firmware on on your card, and it lets you boot into an entirely different operating system. What the? Yep. F- 
Yeah, yeah. it's like a Fancy. second. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, a different operating system for your phone. For your that camera. sounds wild. Yeah. Uh, okay, time for your third song. <laughs> okay. All right. So my third song is called Four to Six by a band called Math the Band. And Math the Band is a uh, you know obscure chiptune band from like New Jersey or I don't know it's one of the small northeast states that I've never I can't never been to um, uh, Rhode Island Rhode Island there it is and they I have been following this band since um, probably since when I started digging for new music in like two thousand three two thousand four. Probably about 2005, my boyfriend at the time had this, like, burnt EP CD that he had stolen from a friend of a friend of a friend of this band called Matha Band. And I loved the music on it. It's a uh, chiptune, for anyone who's not aware, is, like, music you make with computer consoles. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what Matha Band was. It was a duo, and they made this, like, really – it's extremely hyper. It's very Scott Pilgrimish, ish in, in a way. And um, – I loved them. And so this is, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and play this song and then we'll go to the story. All right, uh, four <laughs> to six by Math Band from their 2012 album Get Real. Phone call. Oh, nerdcore music. <laughs> right. So fun. I love watching y'all dance to this and get excited because <laughs> it's so hype. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a super fan of, of chiptunes. Yes. Um, I'm a big Anamanaguchi guy. Um, and. All of these, all of these guys who they, they like take apart Game Boy. Yeah, they use the sound effects from the cartridges. Right, and then they play, a, but a real band. Like yeah, they play on it's stage with it. Amazing! It's incredible. I I tried to get further into this genre based on mm. Math the Band, and I found a lot of it very inaccessible. Mm. And what I like about Math the Band is they really write pop songs with this music style they're they're very catchy and uh even their old 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 eps they're 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 um if you if you look at my facebook my personal facebook page my little profile is is a reference to some of their old lyrics it's it says like i, I want to be 45 feet tall i want to have uh hydraulic arms <laughs> it's like their their songs are just very uh very fun and childish and and like it's like they're singing to a kindergartner which i love <laughs> and, and I, I don't know i found a lot of the other bands in the genre just it didn't it didn't strike me with with the heart that they have um and they've actually evolved as a band they are no longer a two-piece they're now like a full four-piece yeah. band and i hate it i hate it so much oh, really so like even i don't know i'm just picky i guess i don't know a lot of that <laughs> a lot of the bands in that genre um have no lyrics yeah that's um, part of it it's like it, they math the band like they make such fun lyrical songs with these musical with these video game instruments it's yeah. so so fun so fun I can see that being like the theme song to like a Malcolm in the Middle sequel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> so, yes. So why was that one of your three songs? All right. So when I think about that song in particular, I think about um, it was 2013, I believe. I went to go see Matt the Band in concert. And um, they're a very small band. They're not popular. And they came through Tampa and there was like maybe 50 people that came out to see them. And I was the most excited one. <laughs> and, and, um, biggest fan in Florida. Biggest fan in Florida. <laughs> and, and it was, uh, uh, what was, what was special about this was I had mentioned earlier that I had a, a really bad anxiety disorder. So through most of my twenties, I was not able to go to concerts. Um, I had tried to go see, uh, uh, Jay Sue was, was uh, on tour one year and I tried to go see him and I just vomited all 
outside the venue. I couldn't go in. I had tried to go see um, uh, Shoo Shoo. They were on tour. Couldn't couldn't get in the venue. Was puking outside. Couldn't. I just my anxiety manifested as physical illness, and so I missed a lot of concerts. And one of the first ones, the first live concert that I saw in Florida after I was kind of in recovery of my anxiety disorder was Matt the Band. And when I think about that song and seeing them and how proud I was of myself for being healthy enough to be able to leave my house, drive several hours, go to a venue. And not only that, I talked to them at the bar. <laughs> I was so <laughs> proud of myself. I, I saw them at the bar and I was like, oh my God, to my boyfriend, I was like, that's them. It's them. He was like, go say hi. And I was like, no, they're going to think I'm a dork. He was like, no, Jesse, just go say hi. So I went over and I was like, hi, my name is Jesse and I've liked your music since like 2004. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, bullshit. No one's liked us that long. I was like, I have. <laughs> and I got to talk to them about the early EPs. And it was really healthy for me. Uh, for me to kind of overcome some of my own insecurities, my own self-doubt, my own feelings of like not being a cool person because um, I was able to talk to this band who I held up as like the quintessential cool and they were just normal people, you know, as every band is. There's yeah. normal folks and they're just happy to meet a fan and uh, it was it was really amazing milestone step for me of of my mental health and my, my self-esteem and all those things. So, yeah, I love it. And has that <laughs> stuck with you uh, consciously now? Because, you know, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I don't get overwhelmed by somebody because of who they are yeah um but you have to sort of develop that skill it's definitely helped a lot are you are you well down that road yeah i think so like now as as a you know professional person who people come to me for like advice and, and photography and branding advice and stuff um i i have to be the the uh impressive one <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um you know like uh this earlier this year i had the distinct honor and pleasure of photographing a Sony music signed uh, music group. And you may have heard of them, the Baja Men. Yeah, I just name dropped that. <laughs> wow. You let the dogs out. That's right. And so, where, and did you sh- where was the shoot? I did it in Miami. Uh, we rented a commercial studio out there and it was, it was amazing. And I was like, I'm meeting these people who are like President Obama level famous in the Bahamas and like, you know, the Bahamian level famous in America. And it, was, <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. And it was I had to be really cool about it, not be a fangirl of any sort, not be weird, um, had to you know, evoke professionalism and, you know, definitely could not have anxiety and puke or any of those things. And so I was very proud that I've, I've definitely gotten to this point of like, I not only feel like a cool person, I am a cool person. Do you pay attention to what other photographers are doing? In other words, is there somebody whose work you admire and or are inspired by? There are a few photographers that I follow on Instagram. um, And... I'm literally going to cheat because I, I forget people's names. Possible. I know them. I know them by their style of work more than anything. Um, but I, there's it's mostly people who are like all over the country and are um, I'm not going to be able to find her by her name. <laughs> but, oh well, but there's there's some people who do commercial photography that uh, is so impressive to me because they they really weave in elements like graphic design stuff that I don't know anything about and I'm hoping to learn about. Um, and there's there's a photographer in, in Texas that I love. She actually doesn't shoot anything like what I shoot. She shoots children, um, and I don't I don't take photos of kids ever hardly. And she just they're the worst to work oh, with. They're so hard. My and, wife was a photographer, and oh my, gosh. my gosh, they're just. It's a lot. You have no control. You have none. You know, they are the boss. And she shoots these children in a way that's like it makes you want to be a kid again. She she captures their energy mm. and their their hope and, and just their fun. And it's just I love that. So anyone who does something that I can't do, I'm, that's who I'm. I'm oh, I love that you do that. And I'm so impressed and, and in awe of you. Those are the kind of photographers I follow. I try not to follow people who do exactly what I do or something similar to what I do because then I'm just 
Are we copying each other? I don't know. I'll stay away. <laughs> we had a famous radio host on in the station 10 years ago, and I asked him if he ever listens to the show that he hosted when he's not hosting it. And he says, you know, they're either going to do better than me and I'll be mad, or they're going to do worse than me and I'll be mad. Exactly. So it's kind of the same, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same that thing. That was Neil Conan, by the way. Yeah. Oh, drop. my God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, actually, I had someone reach out to me about a year ago, and they were like, hey, there's this new photographer, and this person's, like, stealing your lighting style. They're trying to copy you. And I publicly made a post saying – Good for them. Please do copy me. Do better than me and make a ton of money at it. That's all. All I care about is photographers charging the right way. Yeah. Don't undercut each other and push yourself creatively. And if you have to copy me to do that, fine. Just do it better than me. Don't do it worse. <laughs> Don't do it worse. But, you know, I, I love it. I'm fine with it. You ever uh, thought about teaching? I do a little bit of just like uh, unofficial mentoring um, with folks. If someone reaches out to me and they're like, hey, can you teach me something? Like, I'll do that, you know, unofficially. I do offer a, a payment plan if someone's to actually hire me as a teacher. But yeah, I've actually, I really want to want to reach out to like the Alliance for the Arts I was Center. just about to say, I worked for yeah. the Alliance for five years. Yeah. You could, you could just, you could frame it as, you know, lighting yeah. photo shoots. Totally. You know, just go in and teach lighting. Yeah. Don't even bother, you know, with the bring camera. Your camera yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I would love to do that because I, I think there's, um, there, it's not as hard as people think. And if, if my dumb ass can do it, a lot <laughs> of people can do it. I'm I, t- East Texas public school system prodigy here. <laughs> I think, a, I think a one day course on how to go from uh, auto to knowing what ISO mm-hmm. and aperture, like what those settings do on a camera. You can learn that in one day. Absolutely. But a lot of people are too afraid to touch any of that stuff. Yeah. So they just, they spend, you know, $500 and call it a day and leave it on auto. Yeah, absolutely. Any of my friends who I've tried to teach photography to or anything like that, I always, I give them the same assignment. Take an egg, just plain old egg. Go stick it by a window somewhere in your house and take photos of it from every possible angle and experiment with your settings and see what they do. Just leave that egg right where it is and see where it does because you're going to learn so much about mm-hmm. highlights and shadows and, and all your settings. Just play with that for hours and, and you'll be happy. My first <laughs> camera that I – the Yashica I alluded to, I took it into Harman Photo to see what they thought. And they said it has a bunch of light leaks and the light meter didn't work. Aww. I shot like 2,000 rolls of film through it. Yeah. So like I see light. I feel light. I know light yeah. because I did that. I you love know what light. I mean? I love light. I love it. Um, okay. If you were a champion. Okay. We're running out of time. So oh, we're no. going to speed round toward the end here. Oh, God. Not too speedy. Okay, good. I'm not smart. If, you're a champion, if you were a championship wrestler, what would be your song that you came in on? Um... Uh, 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 um, you can have the crown by Sturgill Simpson. Well, yeah. Sing real pretty, sing real sad, and all the people in the crowd say you ain't happy. Well, they call me King Turtle Hills Mountain. If you want it, you can have the crown. Do you have any TV theme songs committed to memory that you'll sing with us? Um, let's see. Um,. I can do the Game of Thrones one a little bit. <laughs> no, something with words. I don't know. I want to hear her do Game uh, of well, Thrones. I want, I mean, okay, let's. I want to hear the. Okay. Bum 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 bum. You need two people. You need two because one. Da, 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 da. So forth and so on. <laughs> any with words? Oh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, do you like to go see musicals on stage? Yes, more than anything. I saw Book of Mormon. I saw Hamilton. Uh, if I had more money, that's all I would do. Uh, what about movie musicals? Yes. Also that, my favorite is uh, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Oh, nice. Right? I thought of that one for a while. <laughs> so good. Uh, karaoke? Um, I'm actually going to be doing the virtual punk rock karaoke at Nice Guys next week. I'm so scared. I can't sing very good. What are you going to sing? Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Can you do? Can you hit that high? Yes. <laughs> 
I want to hear it. I've got two tickets to Iron Maiden, baby. Come with me Friday. Don't say maybe. So forth and so on. <laughs> it's not great, That's but good. I can do it. It was awesome. What about dancing? I'm awful at dancing. I shouldn't be allowed to do it. But you do it sometimes? <laughs> no, I should never be allowed. I should be arrested. If you were a cocktail or drink of some kind, what would you be? Um, I would be a bougie, sugar-free energy drink. Okay. Yeah. What would what would be the the spirit in it? The spirit? I don't like know. Like the the like the liquor. Oh, whatever. I don't know. I don't drink alcohol. I don't know what they're called. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no spirit. Spiritless. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what um what I just cuz I I have to make a drink out of this what oh. you're saying. Uh no, you're fine. Okay. So, um, it doesn't have to have alcohol. An energy cool. drink. You got to make it into something flavor? with a little, uh, you know. Um like what? I guess probably a fruit flavor would be like. Probably like a lemon. Lemon. Some sort of lemon. Okay. I'm going to make you a nasty drink. Yeah. yeah. Lemon energy drink. <laughs> Do you have a lemon energy drink? Do you have a favorite band of all time? Um, the Menzingers. The Menzingers. They're a punk band uh, out of, uh, I don't know, Boston probably. They're all from Boston, aren't they? And uh, they're amazing. I love them so much. I love all their songs. Um, is there uh, any album that you have to listen to all the way through because you love it in its entirety? Hmm. Probably... Well, the Hamilton soundtrack, you can't skip around on that. Oh, that's, great. <laughs> that's great. Yay. Um, uh, dream photo shoot. Um, I would love to, if, if, if I could be in the photo or if I'm taking the photo. Taking the photo Damn first. it. Okay. <laughs> um, I would love to get something like really ornate, like just a whole set built that's, you know, like a movie set that looks very like um, – uh, Victorian kind of period piece style and I would love to have like bands in full Victorian like gear mm. and just do Victorian band photos with like guitars and stuff I think that'd be adorable um, <laughs> dream band photo shoot like, oh, well, like what band if they, would you love to like suddenly get an email from? living or dead oh my god oh living or dead oh yeah god. bring it to there <laughs> so hard um, let's see band 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 um I would love to photograph probably um, – this is so hard. There's so many bands that I would just be like, yes, please. Thank you very much. Um, hmm. Can I look at my Spotify? Yeah. <laughs> you have to cut out some of this. No. <laughs> Let's see. Um, what about – I don't know. There's so many great ones. This is such a hard question. Why did you give me this one? Um. Oh, Dolly Parton. Oh. That's a great answer. Oh, I would love to photograph her. Yeah. I didn't even see that on my Spotify, but because I don't, I don't listen to a ton of her music. Like you know, I listen to like every so often. But she's more of a character. But to be able to capture her Gosh. with your sort of portrait approach. Yes, yeah. that would, she needs to call me. I can help her. Dolly, you hear that? <laughs> call me Dolly. We had a guest who <laughs> met Dolly Parton when he yeah. still lived in uh, West Africa. That's amazing. Yeah, she came to his village and sang Coat of Many Colors. And oh he had God. a torn up coat that he was ashamed of and then it made him proud of it. Oh, my God. What an <laughs> angel. Him and her, both angels. True story. Um, <laughs> any songs you'll avoid listening to? If it comes on, you'll turn it off because you don't want to think about it or hear it. Red Hot Chili Peppers, all of their songs. I, I hate them. I hate them. You want to fight about it? It's a hot I take. Will... No, 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 no. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. 
funny because your first song, the the downside of the songs, kind of reminded me of them a little. There's bit. There's a little bit of I like said a, that to Richard. A, was, a white boy reggae thing I was going saying, on there. It goes it goes back and forth from yeah, uh, like, Chili Peppers <laughs> to Rise Against That's and so back funny. again. Like, yeah, yeah. I just hate them. I don't know why. Okay, um, uh, uh, what would your 14 year old self think of who you are today here with us? Oh my god, she would just be blown away. She'd be like, she did it. She became cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you pulled it off. I pulled it off somehow. I snuck in. Well, just deciding to be you, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. If I could tell her anything, it would just be like, girl, don't fuss about what these people think about you. Just do you, girlfriend. Just do you. <laughs> okay, time to recommend three people. Okay, I'm so ready for this. So, number one, I would rec- like to recommend my boyfriend and love of my life, Peter Coulter, frontman of The Electric Mud. Mm-hmm. Um, he has... Completely opposite taste in music as me. He doesn't want anyone hollering or screaming at him. He loves jazz music. <laughs> he has like we have totally different musical experiences. Interesting. It's very interesting. Um, second would be uh, Miss Cindy Banier. She is running for uh, the House of Representatives to represent Southwest Florida, and she is a brilliant uh, political science major. She's a teacher at FGCU, uh, and I think she would just have a really interesting uh, take. She's she's she used to be a boxer in Japan. She's got a weird Whoa. life. She's a cool lady. Definitely, mm, that's her. a weird sentence. Yeah. <laughs> And then she, uh, I would love to recommend, I mean, she's on WGC all the time, but Angela Patane, Angela Page from Love Your Rebellion. You've got to pick someone else because she was. Did we, she do one? She was one had, of our early, She was like early one guests. of our first 10 guests. I searched. That's, you, you had to get all the way back. I didn't go very, all the way far She was enough. literally like episode, look it up, Richard. Yeah, yeah, I'm guessing on. six. This dumb bitch. <laughs> she has ruined my entire existence. She was one of the first guests that we had when I realized how cool whatever it is we're doing is. Because oh, yeah. afterwards she messaged me. She's like, that was literally Four. the coolest. Really? She was like, that was literally the coolest thing I've ever done. It yeah. makes sense because <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, I was like, why has she not been on this? Piccolo, like, Piccolo, Piccolo. 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 <laughs> uh, she's one of her songs. She, she, was, she has the distinction of being one of the eight people we recorded before the show came out. Oh, wow. Because yeah. we needed a backlog. Right. Right, you needed like content, yeah, to pre-made content. Okay, who else could I pick? Um, That's a good pick, though. <laughs> have you had? You've had Claire. Yeah, um, Claire. I know you've had Claire. I know you've had Colleen, obviously. Yes. Have you had Jenny Verilon? No. Jenny Verilon. That's who I would nominate. Jenny's a, a local single songwriter. She's working all the time. She's amazing, brilliant, sweetest person, nicer than me. You'll have a great time with when her. When she when this comes out, tag all them or at get least them. get their attention somehow. I'll get them. Okay, I'm gonna try to answer the ask the last oh, question. Okay, I'm excited. I'm gonna try yeah. to do this. We have a new last question and I gave up responsibility I do this for, for asking it like three episodes ago because I was screwing it up. Oh god. Okay. The three songs you just have. Yeah. Imagine those three songs. Yeah. You have to decide. One of those songs you could you it's the song that you can listen to over and over again for the rest of your life. You have right. to. It's the only song. It's the you only know. song you get to listen to. Okay. In that in that reality, <laughs> and then in the middle reality, or maybe the same reality. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the it, you, you're going to guarantee that the song has lives lives through time. It will never fall out of popularity and or public awareness of it. So okay. you're kind of guaranteeing its posterity. Okay. And then the third song will be erased from existence. Oh my God! Why would you do that? <laughs> why are this you was, playing God like this, they did, Mike? They did this to us on a one of the um, which class is it? Not Glenn. Um, oh, the FGCU the thing. FGCU. It's a sociology class that <laughs> asked us to come on and talk about music and uh, art. And okay, they interviewed us. That's where it came from. That's I where had it came forgotten. from. Wow. Yeah, they interviewed us. Now that we've confused you. Now, thoroughly. okay. So the first one was I have to listen to it every day for the rest of my it's life. It's the only what, song you get to listen it. to it's, from if, from if you listen yeah. to music. It, that's what you get. Yeah. Well, that's going to be good viral. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I will listen to that every day and be happy. The second one is it will never fall out of 
pop culture lexicon. Exactly. I mean, the other two are not in pop culture lexicon right. now. So now you're going to guarantee so that gonna it is. So I'm going to push it up there. Yes. Um, I'm going to put four to six math the ban. I think that would cheer everybody up. Everybody would stop shooting each other at protests and whatnot. And yeah, I think that's a good one. Everyone needs to listen to that one and know and be happier. And then the third one is it has to go away forever. Yeah. Well, that's de facto then. I mean, I guess it's liberation for you. And I'm sorry, Refused, but you know what? They came out with a, a, a video about themselves, a documentary called The Refused Are F***ing Dead. And so they'd probably be fine with it. They're probably okay with it going away forever. So. All right. Any, any <laughs> final thoughts? We've reached the end of the road. Oh, final thoughts. Um, th- This was just so much fun. Thank you guys for including me. I feel very cool. I feel very uh, uh, appreciated for being um, the, the person in this town who loves punk rock and country music equally more than anyone else. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for doing it. Your name percolated around this podcast a lot over oh, time. Nice. So it's glad to finally have it done. So thank, thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and hosts sometimes. Christoph is his executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For our parting tune, we're jumping back one year in time to episode 82 with Kim Hudson, hosted by Tara Calligan. Kim's first song story was about her first in-person live music experience at the Lee Civic Center in the early 90s. By the way, she and Tara pretty much set the bar for interpretive dancing in the studio while we listened to this song together. Achy Breaky Heart by Billy Ray Cyrus, who Kim was a huge fan of back then. Oh man, my parents had to take me. They're like, We're take- we have to take her. And I'm like five or six years old. And I-, I did convene with my mom on this one just to verify the story. I'm like, I want to make sure this wasn't some like lucid dream. Like I didn't drink some bad NyQuil, <laughs> expired NyQuil, and, like dream about this. Yeah. Fact checking. Yeah. So there I was, five or six years old, just acid washed denim family and all. I don't know if my dad had a mullet then. We'll say yes for the story. Probably. He probably did. And my mom swears that he looked like Billy Ray Cyrus, and she thought Billy Ray Cyrus was so cute, and she probably had her big hair, teased hair going on. Um, we got front row seats, Lisa Vic Center, Billy Ray Cyrus. I made a poster, my little handwriting, like glitter glue pen or whatever, yes. probably like, I heart you, Billy Ray Cyrus. I'm up there just front row. My dad's probably had me on his shoulders. I'm holding up the sign and he kept looking at me and interacting with me. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. And he asked to have the sign. So he brought the sign up. That's awesome. And he put it on stage and he's dancing and he's like, you know, I got me a little girl at home and blah, blah, blah. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Now in retrospect, I'm like, yay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And my mom swears he like took me on stage. Don't remember that. Um, But basically it was like my first music like in-person physical musical experience was going to see billy ray cyrus as a five-year-old child who adored him sign up and all and he's talking to me and like it was just i could have died like right then and there it was just that was it for me keep listening next time on three song stories You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. I think I screwed up the words. (laughs) Please be true.